Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And uh, <clears throat> thank you, Cheryl, for your hard work. And thank you to your pastor. Uh, your pastor truly loves you, I can tell you that. And uh, yesterday we got to spend some time together. And uh, I thank God for him and for his heart. And I thank God for a man who puts the Great Commission first. Because I believe that's our job, is to take the gospel outside these walls. And one day we'll answer for that in the United States of America, what we've done with the gospel. To whom much is given, much is required. And we're a very, very, very blessed people. As we sit here in America, we sit here materially rich, but we're spiritually rich. And uh, we've heard the gospel so many times that we don't even pay it any attention. But uh, I go to a place where when they hear the gospel, their eyes open and they're eager. They'll ride bicycles, trains, walk for miles and miles to hear a man preach the gospel. And we take it for granted. So I thank God for the opportunity to go to Mozambique. And it's not a, it, you know, it is a sacrifice, but it's not, it's a blessing. And I thank God for my wife, Sandra, who, uh, she's right there with me, has just as big a heart for lost people as I do. And uh, this past trip we went on was, just to be honest with you, it was miserable. It was 100 degrees, we're sleeping in tents, sleeping on the ground, can't find anything cold to drink, and uh, for, you know, he makes me sound so spiritual, but I'm not, because I was complaining and whining and uh, moaning and groaning, but yet God blessed in a very special way, and we've seen many, many souls saved, and the work in Mozambique is growing leaps and bounds, spreading outward, uh, we're being requested by villages all over Mozambique, come, come, we beg you come, come to us, preach to us, uh, we, we beg you come to our village. And when we go back this time in March, we're going to be going and we're calling all the pastors to come to us in these villages. And we're going to be teaching them the word of God. And uh, my wife's going to be teaching the pastor's wives the word of God because we don't, we're growing this way, but now we want to grow this way. We want to get some roots and ground them in what they believe and why they believe it. And uh, we're teaching them the Word of God. And first of all, I, before I get started in the message this morning, I want to show you some pictures. So, because a picture is truly worth a thousand words. And I want to show you uh, where your money goes. Because Mount Gilead has supported us, and your pastor supported us. And everything you give, if you give a dollar and seventy-three cent to buy a Bible, a dollar and seventy-three cent goes to buy a Bible. I take nothing. My wife takes nothing. Nothing goes to an office. Uh, God's blessed us. We pay for our plane tickets. We pay for all that ourselves. 100% of what people give me for these people goes straight to these people. And one of the things that Mount Gilead has done, if you remember, you gave to uh, support Bibles. Okay, and this is uh, this past year, and that's them holding up Bibles. That's some men was able to pass out Bibles as we went village to village. That's them holding up Bibles. And to them, that is gold because we'll go to places and I'll preach in the church. And even the pastor don't have a Bible. Nobody has a Bible. Just a minute when I say, let's all turn to, and I give a verse, everybody turns there. And we have Bibles in our basement, our coffee table, our nightstand, Bibles stacked on top of Bibles, but them, they'll beg you for a Bible. I had a, had a man get on his knees and beg me for a Bible. 
I've been stopped at a police stop, and the police would not let me go. He bribed me, give me a Bible. Isn't that something? And so, uh, you know, we don't understand the Word of God is valuable. It's valuable. There's people died and shed their blood for what we have. But you go to other places in the world, and they don't have that. And these men here are celebrating and rejoicing that we're able to give them a copy of God's Word. Sometimes when we go in these villages, uh, well, I'll find a, a person every now and then that may have a Bible. And this past year when I was in this village here, this guy right here, he had that. And that's a worn, tattered, and torn, he had a Bible. And, he had, and that was to him, that was gold. And you see right there, uh, I wanted to take a picture of that to show you that if you do see one, that's in the shape and the condition it's in. And we're able to buy them in their language. Uh, we can buy John and Romans for $2.50. We can buy a copy of the New Testament for $10 in their language. And that's easy. That's money well spent. Don't you agree? The Bible says the Word of God will not return void. Well, people like you have made it possible, and we've got a plenty of money now to buy Bibles. That's no longer a need, and we're trying to pump, just shovel them in there as fast as we can. And Henry, my best friend and the leader of this ministry, we joined together. He carries them across in his Toyota pickup truck, across the border into Mozambique, and we go in those villages. That's what he does. He passes out those Bibles. All right? And then uh, this here, <clears throat> I wanted to show you this video uh, to, sh to share with you what it is right fast. This is some girls. Uh, that's a dry riverbed that they're in. And when we go, it's, it's the dry season. Right now, they're in the rainy season. They're about three months of rain. And what they get, they, they try to grow their crops, try to get all their crops in the ground. What they grow off the harvest is what they try to live on year-round. They live a life of survival. They wake up in the morning. They don't go to school, and they don't have jobs. They're just trying to grow something to live on. But uh, this is a dry riverbed. It's in the dry season, and this is in the village of Zimba. I preached there for the first time this year. But it's a dry riverbed, and they've hand-dug a hole down in there. And uh, go ahead, Cheryl, and that's them getting water out right there. Uh, you see them? That's, that's how they, that's their water, and that's surface water is all that is. So as we walk down there and seen that, and what some, one of the things I like to show people is just how they live. All right, this here is the water that came out of that hole. Uh, that right there is the water. That's what they're living on. And you see that filthy, disgusting water? That's what they're trying to live on. That's what they eat with. That's what they cook with. That's what they drink. That's what they bathe with. That's what they wash their clothes with. That's how they survive. And what they'll do is they live in little huts, dirt floors, no power, nothing like that, no running water, and they'll carry those five-gallon buckets They'll go to that water hole, and they'll get water, put it on top of their head, carry it back to the little hut, and that's what they live off of. But the sad thing, and we all know this, we live in America where there's clean water, amen? And all of us know that right there will make you sick. That'll kill you. But to them, that's all they have. And so that's, that's, the, that's, their, that's their lifestyle, and this is the way they're living, all right? And then this here is, it's to show, I wanted to show you this. When we drive into these villages... This is the excitement and the joy. This is them welcoming us. We have sound on that, Cheryl? This is them uh, rejoicing. This is them when we drive up in our, in our Toyota pickup truck. This is what it sounds like. This is what it's like. Go ahead.
I drove up this morning, y'all didn't welcome me like that. And uh, that hurt my feelings, because this is my third time here, and the uh, only thing I seen was this on the porch looking at me like, where have you been? All right. Uh, this is another one. This is another example. Go ahead and show me that next one, if you would, Miss Cheryl. All right. This is, uh, before you do that, this is Sandra, and this is how they honor somebody bringing them the Word of God. This is how they honor it. They've took their wraps off. The ladies wear wraps. They wrap them around them and just tie them. They've took those wraps off, and they've laid them on the ground for us to walk into the church. And to them, they're honored that we're there, and they say, we want to honor you in such a way we don't even want your feet to touch the ground. We're making you a walkway. And uh, it's very humbling, but at the same time, that's the joy that they have. Go ahead and share. And you see that in the background, that little grass building? That's their church. You see that baby shaking? That shows you there is no such thing as shaking baby syndrome. Amen. Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know what's sad? We live in a country. Y'all have this beautiful church. We have cushioned pews. We have everything at our fingertips. And we go to church because we have to. And we come to church a lot of times with a bad attitude. And we come to church a lot of times out of obligation. But going to church should be a joy. A joy. And back in Psalms, when they sung those songs, they sung as they was going to the church, as they was going to the synagogue. And so there's a joy there. And now I want to show you this, too. This is my wife had uh, some breadcrumbs that, uh, because we eat peanut butter and jelly because there's really nothing else for us to eat out there in the villages. So we bought a little bag of bread, and we took some peanut butter and jelly from here and packed it in our suitcases. And uh, we had some breadcrumbs left. We was in this village. And my wife don't believe in wasting anything at all. And she started taking out those breadcrumbs. And this is the reaction. This is what hunger looks like. For those of you who have never seen true hunger, this is what hunger looks like. Go ahead, Miss Cheryl. We throw that away in America. We throw it away. That's what hunger looks like. When we go in those villages, we feed these people. We, we buy them bags of rice. We'll buy them a goat, and they kill that goat, and they cook it over open fire. We feed them as they come. You know, Jesus didn't just give people the word, but he also he fed the 5,000. And he didn't just give Bartimaeus life, but he gave him sight too. Do you see that? And when you show somebody you love them, how many of us this morning have a lost loved one or a lost family member? Let me tell you how to win them. Love them. Give them the truth in love. But if they think you hate them, they're not going to listen to anything you say. And one of the first thing we try to show these people is that we do, we care about them, and we love them. All right, this is what it looks like when I'm preaching over there. And one example, this is me, and this is Henry, who I told you about a while ago. This is Henry. In this particular village, they speak what they call Sina. So I preach in English. He translated to Chewa, and then this guy here, his name Zachariah, over here, he'll translate it into Sina. That's three different people going. You talk about hard to preach. 
translate it like that. So that's an example of what it's like to preach over there. This is an example of what a church looks like when we go there. That's, that's their church, and you can see there's so many people they can't get in there, but that's just a little makeshift church that they have, and this is the people all gathered around on this evening that we preached here. And this night here I preached on Jesus left the 99 to go find the one little lost lamb. And God blessed in a great way. We see many, many, many people saved. And like I said, our goal now is to see the work grow depth-wise. Because when I go over there, it's like seeing a thousand seven-year-olds get saved in America. Now we need to give them doctrine and we need to give them truth. All right, go ahead into the next one. This is what it looks like on the inside, packed in there. No seats. Everybody's standing or sitting on the ground. All right. And then this is another church that we preached at. And you can see they're just packed in there. I'm going to tell you something, that's exciting. You want me to get your preacher all fired up one time? Let me take him over there and people all like this, sitting on the ground, peeking in the window, backed out through there, no microphone, you preach as loud as you can, where as many people as you, can hear you as possible, and you preach on John 3, 16, and they're sitting there just eager to hear the Word of God. Isn't that exciting? Amen? All right, and then it, I want to show you this here. This is Henry. And that's, that's, like I said, he is like my best friend. And he's my translator. And, he, and while I'm here in America, this work goes on around the clock. Around the clock. Today, he's been communicating with me. There's another guy named Soso in Melanja. He communicates with me. Francisco communicates with me. While I'm here, some people say, well, you go, but then what happens? These guys are constantly going into these villages, teaching them the word of God. Now, you know what, that's a Bible missions, I believe. 2023 is if I can train them and teach them and support them, we'll change Mozambique. I believe that. And then it, but this is Henry, and you see this is our five-star accommodations behind us. Isn't it beautiful? But uh, anyway, uh, the work goes on around the clock. And the exciting thing I want to tell you this morning is this. As this work grows, now we're starting to see uh, uh, Zachariah. He's getting ready to graduate Bible college in June, and we're going to start our own Bible college in Mozambique. We're going to train those men, because if I can get them trained in doctrine, they'll reach their people, reach their people, and God's doing some exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think in Mozambique. And it's growing this way, and now it's going to start growing this way. And that's what I want to go to this morning. Go back to that right fast, Cheryl, that one uh, where they were fighting for the bread. I'm going to preach your message in just a minute entitled, Let's Eat. Let's Eat. Before I do, won't you see us one more time? That's what hunger looks like. And this morning we're going to eat. And we're all going to leave here with this. Let's eat. Let's eat. Here we are. We eat how many meals a day? 15, 20. Right? We eat all day, every day, do we not? 
you know that the Bible talks about a physical food and a spiritual food? You know, you're, you're created in God's image. We're flesh and we're also spirit. And God wants us to feed our spiritual man just as much as our physical man. If you have your Bibles, turn me to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2, and while you're turning there, I want you to think about that thought, let's eat. And the main thing that we can feed on is the Word of God. You know your pastor's number one job, the Bible says, feed the flock. That's his number one job, is to feed the flock. If you're a mom, you know what your number one job to your children is? To train them in the Word of God. That's your number one job. Because the Bible is the food that we must live on. Amen? And so that's what we're trying to do in Mozambique. Listen, I don't only, only give them a copy of the Bible, but i got to teach them and train them in the Bible. And if I train those pastors, they reach their people. All of a sudden, you know what we're doing? We're feeding them spiritually. You say, preacher, they're hungry. Shouldn't we feed them? Shouldn't we feed them? And people will give me money to drill a well, and people will give me money to buy a bag of rice, and they'll give me money to buy a bag of maize because they don't like to see people hungry. But you know one thing I think we've lost in our churches in America? It's seeing people spiritually. You know, they're more hungry spiritually than they are physically. Do you realize that if they die without the Word of God, they eternally die? Eternally. And we need to see this morning that the Word is the most important thing. That's what true missions is, is giving somebody a spiritual food. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came forth such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, and when we when we when we were here with him in the holy mount. You realize what Peter's saying there? He's saying, we were with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. We heard the voice. We heard that voice. We were eyewitnesses of Jesus in his glory. Remember, Peter was there with James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, you would think if Peter seen that, he would say, that's all I need. That's all anybody would need. You know, some people say, if somebody could just get a glimpse of heaven... They just give a glimpse of eternity. It would change their life. It would do this. But the Bible, listen to what the Bible, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says here. The next verse, Peter says this. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. He said, I give you something better than that. I give you something better than when I seen him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, we have something better. You know what he's talking about? The Word of God. How many of you have a Bible this morning? Hold it up. Hold it up high. Look at that. You know what you have? You have something better than being an eyewitness of Jesus Christ himself. You think about that. You say, I don't believe that. Listen, people are looking for visions and miracles and signs when God's giving you everything you need right there. This is it. All right, so he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. All right, and then he says, we're until you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, 
But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know what you have? The Word of God. You say men wrote it. They wrote it as the Holy Spirit of God breathed it. See, there's three things. If you carry this Bible and you're going to believe it, there's three things you've got to know. Number one is revelation. God revealed His truth to man. He revealed His truth to Moses. He revealed His truth to John. He revealed His truth to Paul. He revealed His truth to Abraham. He revealed Himself in many ways. But the second thing you've got to believe is inspiration. See, when God revealed Himself to Paul, a lot of people say, yeah, but how do you know Paul got it right? How do you know John got it right? Mark got it right? How do you know that? Because inspiration means we believe in God breathed it. And God guided those men as they penned it. How many of you believe in inspiration? Say amen. Ah, oh, come on now. How many of you believe in inspiration? Say amen. All right, we believe in the inspired word of God. Then the third thing we believe in is this. Preservation. God has preserved his word. You realize what you have in your hand is the same thing? It's, it's identical than what it was 2,000 years ago. You say, I don't know about that. I believe there's been some flaws and mistakes. No, God has preserved his word. And God proved it in the 1940s when we seen the Dead Sea Scrolls come up. He proved it. Remember, before the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, the oldest copy we had of the Word of God was about 900 A.D. And so, you know, a lot of people were like, well, I don't know. You know, there could have been some things wrong. But then when those Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, they were Hebrew manuscripts before the time of Christ, a thousand years older than anything we had. And when they discovered them, you know what they found out? It's identical. It's identical. You know why? Because they used to hand copy the Word of God. They used to hand copy it. But you know they were so tedious? Didn't you ever heard of scribes? You know what the scribes did? They would be so tedious, they hand copied this. They hand copied it. Could you imagine having to copy that? I mean, I used to get in trouble in school and write something over and over. Y'all ever have to do that? That's before time out. That's before after school, whatever. It used to be fellowship with the wooden board on your backside or write this a thousand times and all that stuff. I was a model student. I don't know why I ever had to do that stuff, but I did. Listen, so but hand copy something like that, but they, you know what they used to do? Count every letter. Count every word. They were tedious about it. That's how you know it's preserved. Do you know that the scribes, when they used to copy the Word of God, before they wrote the name Jehovah, they had to go bathe and wash their pen before they ever wrote the name. Every time the word Jehovah is in your Bible, they would go wash and wash their pen to make sure they kept it pure. Isn't that amazing? And they would count every letter in Genesis and every letter in Exodus and every letter in Viticus, every single letter, every single word. And if it didn't line up, throw it out. Tedious. It's preserved. Aren't you glad you have a copy of the Word of God today? You have it. And it's the most valuable thing that you have. It's the Word of God. And so this morning, what we need to see is, this is what we need to feed on. Every service is mealtime. Every night at your house ought to be mealtime. Isn't that something? How many of you eat every day physical food? Hallelujah. I know by looking at some of you, I ain't hurting these feelings. We eat, do we not? And Baptists especially, if we meet, we eat. Matter of fact, I'm hurt. I'm offended by you. Invited me in the morning, and then I get that little bulletin, and tonight y'all are eating. <laughs> that ain't right. By me, we're not eating. 
Tonight, y'all go, and I read that chicken and dumplings and chicken tenders and chicken this and chicken that. I got news for you. I'm preaching on hell this morning and all of you to go. Listen to me. But we like to eat spiritual food. Let's think about that. When we eat, there's three things. Three things. Number one, we like to eat with people, do we not? We like to eat with people. Fellowship. Is it any fun going and sitting at a restaurant by yourself? You like to, and you like to eat with people. Part of eating is fellowship. Do you know even in the Bible times, the Lord's Supper and all those times, it was a time of gathering. Gathering. Do you know even when they ate, you never see the, the pictures of the Last Supper that are all sitting around? Do you know that's not even what happened? Do you know when in the, in, the old, in the New Testament times when they ate, they would actually lay down and prop up on one elbow? It was a whole time of gathering and fellowship. So one of the things about a local church is we have people to eat with. Isn't that wonderful? It's fellowship time. We're gathering around the table this morning, and we're going to eat. The second thing is this. A lot of times when we eat, we got to have a warm-up. Any of you ever know what a warm-up is? Got to have an appetizer. You know what we had this morning before I opened up the Bible? We had an appetizer. You know what that is? The bread. You know what bread is? Bread's the singing. Yesterday, your pastor took me to lunch. You know what they did? Before they ever brought us the main course, brought some bread. That's a warm-up. I like going to restaurants where they bring bread first, don't you? When I go to Cracker Barrel, Cracker Barrel's gotten tight. They don't bring your biscuits till they bring your meal, and I say, don't do that. I want my bread first. Right? That's the warm-up. See, that, that, I'll get you, go ahead. It ain't, it's fine. <laughs> this right here will get you warmed up. That'll get you warmed up. See, and that'll make you, you get your appetite going, and then the good stuff's coming. Right? Are you scared? You should be. <laughs> that's the bread. See, that's, that's, that's the singing. Aren't you, don't you like good singing? You know one thing they taught me in Bible college? They taught me in Bible college, they said this. You can't build a church on good singing, but it's hard to build one without it. Right? And it's hard to have a meal. Here you go, buddy. Look at how many Hot Wheels you got. Is them yours? Is them yours? I'm coming back here with you for a while. Listen, you can't, you can't build a church, you can't have a good meal without a little bread. There you go. Your pastor never done this for you, has he? Right? I like singing, don't you? Singing's good. Singing warms you up. But you can't live off singing only. Amen? Can't live off that. Now, I like singing. Singing stirs my soul. Sometimes I get to going down the road, and I turn on music, and it just thrills me, fires me up, stirs me. Sometimes, you know what? A song brings you peace and brings you comfort. Songs can do things, and I believe singing is from God. And I believe we should enjoy that. But you can't live off just the fellowship, and you can't live off just the bread. You know what you got to have? The meat of the Word. The meat of the Word. And that's one thing I'm trying to teach them in Mozambique. The main thing we do is we need to preach the Word of God. And the main thing that you need this morning is you need the meat the meat of the Word. Now, a lot of people don't like meat, but I got news for you. 
Meat's profitable. And this morning, this is my, this is my main point. The third part of a meal is the main course, which must include meat. Hallelujah. Y'all know what meat is? Bologna, hot dogs, spam, potted meat, and then you get the good stuff. Fried chicken. <sighs> Amen. The ham, the steak, cheeseburgers, the good stuff. Amen. Chicken tenders, chicken and dumplings, chicken casserole. Chicken livers, chicken guts, chicken everything, right? That's the meat, is it not? And that's what you must live on. You know what all of us need to decide this morning? What's in your lap is not something just heritage. What's in your lap is not just cultural. That's what you spiritually live on. Spiritually, you live on that. And I'm going to show you what meat does for you. Meat will do these things for you physically, and meat will do these things for you spiritually. Are you ready? Three things and I'm done. Number one, meat will keep you alive. Meat will keep you alive because it's protein. Do you know if you get stuck on the island and you got meat, you got all you need. Keep you alive. Let me tell you what the Word of God does. The night I got saved, somebody fed me the Word of God. And I ate it and I became alive. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.